Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we get to our next quarter of our box office draft, and we find out when you know you're an adult. Plus, we explore not one, not two, but three trailers for Trailer Trash. It's time for a More Than Movies draft. It is a new quarter, which means we have new picks for the MTM box office draft happening. Now, as it stands, because of Captain Marvel, Ivana is up by like $200,000. She has $488 million, and I have... $331 million. Now, at the time that we've recorded this, your last pick, Dumbo, hasn't come out yet. But either way, I feel pretty confident that Captain Marvel was a solid choice on my part. Absolutely. So the way we're going to work this draft this year is that the person who is losing going into the next quarter, being me, big loser right now, I get to pick first, which means I get to pick Avengers Endgame. Great choice. You are going to clean up with that movie, which I'm jealous of, but I'm pretty confident that my next choice is going to be huge, partially because it's the first of the Disney live action remakes I actually want to see, and that is Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin. Of course. Yeah. All right. So you are in... With Aladdin, which Mm -hmm. means I get the next choice pick. I'm going to go Disney as well, and I'm going to go with Toy Story 4. That is literally from like my wish list, the next one I would have chosen. I feel like it's going to do so well. I think it's going to do so well. Like Um, Finding Dory did so well. Children's movies do really well, especially when they come out in in this second quarter of the year between April and June. Um, So so what's your number two pick? My next choice, uh, I think, is a a little bit of a gamble, um, but I think it's going to have a strong showing, and that is Dark Phoenix. All right. Dark Phoenix it is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they've cut ties with Brian Singer. They have. Screw him. Uh, So we'll see how that goes, I guess. Uh, It's going to be the last of the Fox X-Men movies. Disney is already closing Fox Studios stuff, so I'm sure they'll have the X-Men back into the MCU very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to pick Shazam. Wow. Which comes out with your boy, Zachary Levy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really want to see Shazam, but that's a bold move. That will be my third pick. I feel, I'm feeling good right now. I got a lot of, a lot of superheroes. Um, all right. I've got some superheroes too, but uh, my next one is not a superhero movie. It is Secret Life of Pets 2. Secret Life of Pets 2. Okay. All right. Uh, Then that means that I am going to take your beloved Detective Pikachu. You think it's going to do that well? I have it like way lower on my list. I mean, I literally fanned out hard watching that trailer. We were on Skype together or on Google Chats or whatever. And I think I like squealed and jumped around and got really fucking excited. So 
It would be amazing I, if it did that well. I think Ryan Reynolds' voice alone pushes this over that hundred million mark. I think it's it's good to say that it will do okay. So I'm gonna pick one that I think you're gonna love, and I'm not gonna yeah. see. And that okay. is Godzilla, King of Monsters. Ooh, that is... Oh, I am going to see that movie. You're definitely going to see that movie. And I think if I was guessing it, it's like solidly going to make $200 because the King Kong did. Oh, man. Okay, I am taking a gamble with my next one. I am going with Rocket Man. That is... Uh, that's a good gamble to make, I think. Is this my last choice? Is this it? This is your last pick. This is it. Darn. So I'm going to tell you, I'm choosing, there's there's like three movies on this, on my next list that I'm like, ah, oh, could it be? There's Men in Black. I think it's going to do well. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? That would be my next pick, I think. If I, yeah, if I it had is a, technically the next six, one on my list. I if you take a look over. at my phone, it's the next one. Then I have Pet Cemetery, but I think it might be a little too scary to really like it was just nostalgic enough and whereas this like looks terrifying. Um and then I have John Wick 3, which I think is going to kill it. But ultimately I'm going to stick with Men in Black. I think that's going to clinch it my last pick. All right, Men in Black International. Uh yeah, I mean, that was a big one on mine. I also had Shaft on mine as well. I also, yeah, I have Shaft, Shazam. And you know what I think is going to be a surprise hit, but I'm not betting on it just yet because I don't know if it's going to like go over $100 million? Blackburn. I'm really excited to see Blackburn. I didn't know anything about this movie. This movie is what if when Superman came to Earth, he was a bad guy. Or like he could have been a bad guy. He could have been a bad guy. Like he was a good guy for a while, but then he got bad. It looks really cool. It's like a whole reimagining of how that situation could play out. Basically, Smallville, if a child felt like he had nothing to live for and attacked people. Yeah. So I I'm very I think it's gonna I think it's gonna like really show a different side of superhero movies and I'm excited to see it. And I haven't, as you know, I'm kind of in a superheroed out state of my life. I'm actually like waiting. I'm going to see that in theaters. Well, you really surprised me with secret life of pets too. I didn't even have it on my list. So good for you. We will <laughs> see how quarter two, cause I got to make up some money. So I'm hoping that some of your movies tank, but uh, you have some solid picks though. I think I've, I'm getting, I'm learning to get better at picking, but I'm nervous because I think Avengers Endgame is going to make a billion dollars, and I don't think, I mean, maybe Aladdin is going to contend, I don't know, and Toy Story 4 is going to make $300 million for sure, if not more. We'll see if any of my other ones can, like, live up to that. It's, uh, I mean, you're, you had some real, you were very lucky about Captain Marvel in your first quarter. Because Miss Bala came in at only fifteen million. Yeah, I, My smallest I think was I'm 47. done with taking risks on that stuff. Like I'm going safe, safe, safe. <laughs> All right. I need to talk about this because I had a nightmare and it was like soul shattering slash like 
shocking to me. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Do you get nightmares often? No, I actually don't dream very often. So what happened? So before I even get into the nightmare, I just like have you 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 know when you're watching a TV show or a movie and a character is having a dream, usually a nightmare, and then they wake up and they're like, "Oh, it was just a dream." But it wasn't. Exactly. It, it's it, back in a dream. It's back in a dream and then bad yeah. things start happening again. Ha- has this ever happened to you? No. So, I always thought it was a thing written into stories and it wasn't real and there was no basis of reality. That's the nightmare I had. But what but what happened? Okay. So, I heard a noise downstairs in my place here in Pittsburgh. And I, it woke me up. This is the dream. I heard a noise. It woke me up. And I thought, oh, my God, someone's in the house. And I went to turn over to wake Blake up and to see that Marshall was still in bed with us. At, and at that moment, someone was standing at the foot of our bed staring at us. And I couldn't really see them. For some reason, I only saw to their waist. And they had on jeans with a belt. And I was just so frightened that I then started to scramble to wake Blake up, at which point I woke up from my nightmare that someone was standing at the foot of our bed. And then I like was like, oh, thank God, that was a dream. And then, of course, I had to check looking at the foot of my bed to make sure that indeed no one was standing at the foot of our bed. And lo and behold, that person was at the foot of the bed again. This was a dream within a dream within a dream? Three wake-ups before I actually woke up, and there was not someone staring at us at the foot of the bed. But, oh, my God, that person, that person just standing at the foot of our bed, and I kept waking up, and they kept being there, and it was so fucking scary. Oh, oh my, my God. God. And, was, and was this, like, a faceless somebody? I could only see up to their, like, lower chest, like, their waist. And then the rest was shadow. I just did it. I wasn't able to look higher than that because you know how dreams are weird in their rules. Yeah, of course. So, so there was like a so he could not. He may had had nothing above there. I couldn't even tell if it was a female or a male. Oh Jesus! It was okay, definitely so when you someone. Woke up Blake, when you I couldn't, I never find, was able to wake him up. Like in all of the instances of the dream, I but kept when you finally go- woke up, like in real life, when you finally woke up, did you wake up Blake? No, I didn't. <gasps> oh, so the cycle anticlimactically stopped. But he's not very good when you wake him up in the middle of the night. Like, he just doesn't handle it well. So I just thought, okay, it's not an emergency. I threw something funny on, like, my computer beside my bed and, like, went back to sleep. I had, when I lived alone, I had sleep paralysis twice. What is sleep paralysis like? So you know that moment when you're in between falling asleep and you're, but you're still awake and you're yeah. just like in that fog of that moment. Uh, so when sleep paralysis hits, uh, you can't really like your, your body's sort of unconscious, but you're aware of things around you. And so the first time I had it, I just heard somebody whisper hello in my ear. And I was wide awake and I just was terrified and I couldn't move. And I just heard hello. 
And then it lasted about five seconds of terror. And then I, I was able to move and I got up. I was like fully awake. Uh, that would be like the longest five seconds of all time. And then the second time it felt like something was was on my legs and I couldn't see it. And that was oh. really scary. And again, lasted maybe like three, like maybe maybe close to 20 seconds. And I was able to wake up. That is terrifying. That's worse than a nightmare, I think. Because your brain is starting to shut down. And it's like feeding you all your weirdness, I guess. Yeah. This is literally when I started absolutely making sure that my TV was on when I went to sleep every single time. Like I had to fall asleep to something. I have, I can't tell you, I cannot fall asleep to nothing. If, like you to are, day. if you're sitting in a room and nothing is on, I'm like, what? What is this? I need there to be something on. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't. Exactly. And, and, and this was be- I I would go to sleep uh, because I only my TV was in another room. So I would leave. I'd be like, oh, OK, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. And that's when that would happen, because I didn't have a TV in my bedroom when I lived alone. Wow. Too scary. Let's drop some science. Mm. Ivana, when I turned 18 years old, I was very excited because I was a fish. I was I was man when I became 15, like 15, 18 years old. I became like an adult. And I know I remember the day because I ran out and I got Playboy and a lottery ticket. And I was like, I can do these things now because I'm an adult. I don't think I've ever done the Playboy since then, but it's a rite of passage, right? (laughs) So now there is a new study that's saying, no, 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 no. You are not an adult at 18. You might not even be an adult at 21. Basically, this study is saying that it is a range for specific people. Yeah, and it's like in the mid-30s, maybe even late 30s. Exactly. So there's no, there's no moment where you're like, hey, I got my first car. I'm an adult now. Or... You know, I got a mortgage, so I'm an adult now. No, it is literally when uh, your brain kind of feels like you're cooked or you're done. I mean, you know my thoughts on this. I don't really believe in adulthood, like, at all. (laughs) 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 Uh, I think it's stupid, and I don't know why anyone would want to be one, because, like... It's just like, hey, sign me up for not having fun in my life. But I don't Um, think that that's a thing. I mean, you still have a lot of fun as an adult, don't you? No. I play board games. I'm an adult and I play board games and I watch movies and I hang out with you. We have fun. Yeah. And who says any of that is adulting? Adulting is like when all the like responsibility shit happens in your life. Actually, I, I, I like this study because... One, I don't and have never believed in the whole adult thing. Like, sure, when you hit milestone ages, like when you're able to drink or vote or that kind of stuff, you go out and you do these things because you're like, society says I've reached the barrier point. But at no point did I ever consider myself an adult, even to this day. You get to this place where people start having... This, like, 
nostalgia about how things were, but are they really remembering it the right way? Probably not. And Absolutely often along- not. Yeah. I, I, can, I can attest to this because as you know, I am a heavy fan of being hit with nostalgia. I am reading an 80s book right now that boasts itself as an 80s summer horror flick. And so far, yeah, pretty good, accurate depiction. But when they're talking about the 80s, like everybody has rose-colored glasses whenever they think about the past. It's like, oh, the 50s were so fun and kitchen. Yeah, but there was a lot of like lynching. And they, they people gloss over these awful parts in every piece of every decade. Yeah. While I enjoy a little light nostalgia, it is definitely not the way that I remember it. Well, and I think that that's okay. I think that it's okay to feel nostalgic about parts of the past through a lens of the modern day. Absolutely. There are, there are interesting stories that we watch on TV. You know, Cheers was at a certain time. You're still watching that like, oh my gosh, that's right. That's how people dressed and that's how people spoke and there were things. Well, okay. I think that's a really great example because... We've been I've been looking at camp movies recently and you know you have Meatballs that 1979 Bill Murray classic which classic. full disclosure I have I've seen parts of it but I've never fully seen it but when I watched those parts I was like oh my god this is so not okay anymore <laughs> like holy shit not okay Is that realization? You're adulting? No, it has I, nothing to do with that. It, it, it has well to do with the be. times changing. The movie was made in 1979, and what was considered okay and funny in 1979 is no longer okay and funny in, you know, 2019. But nowadays, you'd never write a script like that, whether it was set in the 80s or now. And so I think it's like the longer you can keep your brain open to changing – that is the definition of not being an adult, and that's a good thing. That's something that we should all strive for. So when do you like become an, so you never become an adult? Hopefully. Hopefully, we can all hope. <laughs> I'll meet you Peter in Neverland Pan forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, shut up! It's trailer trash! We have three awesome trailers for you to watch, so please check out our show notes, pause the show, watch these trailers, and then come back with us. We're going to start with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie. So I don't really know what this is. It's like Hollywood in the 60s, but that's the only vibe I really get from the trailer. Uh, I, I don't know really what the relationship's going to be between the two leads who are Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Do you, can I say, can I ask you a question? Did you think this was a good trailer? I, w I will say it has intrigued me. Um, I like this trailer more than I liked the eight, eight men or the eight, the fantastic eight, or I forget what it's called. The, hell was, the hateful eight. Look at yes, that. Yes. The hateful eight. I mean, if that's not, this is Quentin Tarantino's worst movie. I don't know what is, because seriously, <laughs> I forgot the title of the damn movie. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I think I'm more intrigued after seeing this trailer than I was after seeing the Hateful Eight trailer. To me, actually, I have to say this trailer, like, grabbed me. And I think this is, like, 
a perfect specimen of a trailer. It gave very little away. Yep. It told you where it's going to be set, and it really did a good job of showing you what time it is. I think also what it did a really great job at is showing you what kind of movie you're in for. There is a lot of tongue-in-cheek comedy in this movie. It's going to be fast-paced, and it's also going to be an action. And, like, you just immediately know these things. And I'm interested to know if the guy who is playing the martial arts guy, like, he looks exactly like Bruce Lee. For sure, I think Is he Bruce Lee? Lee? One quick trip to IMDb, and we know this. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. He is Bruce Lee. Like, in my mind, he's Bruce Lee. That's that. Now, we we learned that the Leonardo DiCaprio movie that was going to be shot would have something to do with Charles Manson. Now, in this trailer, there is none of that. No, you see Charles Manson. What? Yeah, you see Charles Manson. They have a shot of him in the trailer. I was like, that's Charles Manson. And I did look it up on IMDb, and that was the guy playing Charles Manson. I, I, it went right over my head. I thought the movie would be more centered around Charles Manson, but I don't think it is. I think he just is in the movie. Which would make sense to the timeline because he was in L.A. and did some killings in the 60s. Right, exactly. Well, and isn't Sharon Tate one of his killings? 100%. The most famous of all of the murders. Right. So I think that's going to happen, but I think that that's almost... Like what happens in the movie, not what the movie is about, which is a really interesting take because most people, when they do the Charles Manson story, Charles Manson is the lead. Front and in and this center. case, I think this movie is going to be really, really interesting. I wonder if there's going to be some revisionist history, like in Glorious Bastards had with the whole Hitler scene. Like you injected a little bit of real life people and then you did something completely different. I wonder if they'll kind of toy with the Charles Manson timeline in the same vein in this film. You know, I get the sense that this is going to be a pulp fiction, um, like in its kind of pacing and craziness, and that visually it's going to be as beautiful as Django Unchained. I think it's going to be, a, I think it'll be one of his more fun movies. For sure. Which Django, I think, is. It um, is, yeah. Because DiCaprio chews every scene, and I love him in every scene he's in, because you you hate him so much. It makes it fun, right? Like, he's doing these horrible things, and you're just like, man, I hate you. Like, ah. DiCaprio's always got a face I want to punch. I don't know if that's just me, but, like, in all of his roles, I always feel like, yeah, I could punch that guy in the face. He, I, I can see that. So the second trailer on our list, I only just watched it today. It's been out for a while, but Toy Story 4, I have so many thoughts even before watching this trailer, all of them starting with why. <laughs> so, okay. What were your pre-trailer watching thoughts? Mostly just why do this to the characters? Why do this to the story? Why do this to the world building? Like... Why even have a fourth film? And obviously the answer comes down to money. Money. Um, But Toy Story 3 had maybe the greatest ending of a trilogy ever. Yeah. 
That was the problem, though. It was too good, and then now they have to make another one. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's interesting because they tackle something in this. Well, what do you think of the trailer before I ex- express myself? A lot of it, like, for the first half of the trailer, I was like, ugh. I already watched this movie three times over because they kind of always have they they have the same thing like in that they always get it separated from the kid and then have to find their way back because what's good what else what else is going to happen to a toy that's the biggest problem in a toy's life is like ah the kid doesn't want me or I'm separated from the kid. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, there's something different about the kid doesn't want me, the kid is growing up from me, a new toy is... Like, the first movie is, even though they do get separated, um, that story is about a new toy coming in and... And replacing And what does it mean not to be the favorite anymore? And learning that there are many different types of favorites. And the second one was definitely much more of a separation story. And then the third one was once again total separation story this one because the kid doesn't want you anymore i'm just kind of like there's got to be different ways to do it without getting separated from the kid and then they bring in this whole cynical life growing angle like what's up with that yeah i i mean this new one ha- the angle in this new one though is that it's sort of like Frozen in that a child made a toy and now it comes to life. Like, yeah. Are, like, Although to me, that seemed like a smaller device. The big questions are when he sees Bo Peep and they're like at this carnival and asking the big questions about what could life for a toy be? Which will be fine. I just thought it was really interesting that, you know, the power of a kid's imagination to make anything a toy, a, a spork is now a toy, like brings this thing to life. I mean, that's that's creative onto itself. Like, I think that is the interesting part for me in this film. Oh, interesting. I just kind of thought that was a joke. But it, But it's also like the way that Elsa made Olaf. And it's like, hold on, you can build living creatures? Where do your powers end? But that's no different than like Woody or Buzz Lightyear being alive. It's the kid's imagination that breathes life into the toy. Yeah, Whether it's when they I craft. guess I don't know what in the world couldn't be a toy now. Like, Everything can be a toy. That that has always been the truth. Like, like this, this glass that I have in my hand, if I put googly eyes on this, this is now a toy. And now... When I leave the room, it could be like sentient. Only if you believe and play with it like a toy. It's your love and your imagination that imbues life. Holy shit. All right. This is way too <laughs> deep for this trailer. <laughs> uh, look, all the whole gang's here. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to see it in theaters. I, I feel yeah. like they ended so perfectly with the last one that I, I don't need to see this in theaters. I feel like after seeing finding Dory in theaters and being so disappointed by that sequel, this is just going to do it again. I don't, I don't want that for this. Yeah, I agree. I will likely watch it like online 
when it comes out for like rent or whatever. Definitely not in theaters. Disney streaming service. End of the year. It could end up on there. Mm-hmm. And now our last one. I'm pretty excited for this one. Uh, it's called Long Shot. And it's a modern day rom-com with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. And it's about a presidential candidate kind of reconnecting with a, her a boy who she used to babysit and who is now her speechwriter. I think it looks pretty funny. I don't know how funny it's going to be, but it looks like if you liked neighbors, it looks like that kind of funny. And I did like neighbors. I love neighbors. So I kind of feel like it's, uh, it's that, but we're going to have a dose of some interesting political things. Did you ever see an American president? Yes. So it kind of feels like that in a way where the candidate is a woman much seems much more mature and got her shit together than Seth Rogen, which yeah. I mean, that's just his go-to character. And I feel like it's going to be, you can't date him. What are you doing dating him? It's going to screw up everything. And then she's like, I don't care. I love that guy. So, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a part of it, except that I think this one is going to be way funnier. I I think it's going to have some interesting things to say about politics, but not too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're going to hint at it in the script, but they're not going to bash anyone's head over it. And there'll be like a scandal. I just think it looks really fun and funny, and there's not enough comedies right now, and I fucking love comedies. Yeah, we haven't um, actually really dived into some some comedies. In, even a next week's watch is in a comedy. Right, exactly. Um, Jonathan Levine is the director of this, and I just want to mention a few things that he has directed that we probably know of. One is the movie Fifty Fifty, which you and I saw in theaters, and I cried. Yeah, that's uh, and you know that's got a huge emotional level on it. So maybe there's some of that that could come and, and yeah. give weight. I, and to and, this and movie. that movie was also like super funny, but also emotional, and I loved it. Also, he directed Warm Bodies, which I don't know if you've ever seen. It's a zombie love story, and I also love that movie so much. It made my heart, like, warm just to watch it. It um, was fine, but he did the night before, which to me makes me happy. Because that is now a Christmas staple in our house. You know what? I actually really like the movie The Night Before. And I'm not really a Christmas per- movie person. Uh, he also directed Snatched. Um, I did not we see can Snatched. Skip over was it that. any good? Just- N- no, not good. <laughs> it's not a good movie. No, no. No, <laughs> actually, his, um, <laughs> one of his biggest films uh, critically was The Wackness, which I never actually got around to seeing. It's it's oh, definitely one I want to either. get to. Uh, he, I believe, he wrote that one, so um, I, I definitely want to see The Wackness at some point. Yeah, maybe um, see, maybe that's something we put on our list. Our grow, our ever growing list. 
ever-growing list. And I, th- and I just want to say that Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen have a lot of chemistry, and I am excited to see them like get together in this movie. I love whenever got, and- Charlize Theron does something like this. Like he, She did that Seth uh, MacFarlane flick, The Million yeah. Ways to Die in the West. I thought she was fun in that. The movie itself was like okay, but she she added something to it. She brings. She's so good. She, yeah, she, she brings is like a lot to the table. All the talent, um, Gringo, which was this really fun like action comedy that was really dark that I watched uh, from 2018. Oh my god, she just like carried that movie. She was this almost psychopath in it, and it was awesome. Um, yeah, she's just fantastic. I think she brings a lot. And the thing I just want to say is like the chemistry with Seth Rogen is really there. Also. June Diane Raphael, such a funny like actor. I love her. She's great. Bob Odenkirk. I just this movie's gonna be so good. I can't wait. I'm seeing it in theaters. I wanna hear people laugh while I watch this movie. Absolutely. All right. So we have some homework for you for next week. And maybe it's not gonna be that big a homework because we're going back in the day with this. Cruel Intentions was just brought back out to theaters. Uh, for the, I believe it's the 20th anniversary run of Cruel Intentions. Oh, yeah. So I read a very interesting article about how n- no one has made a movie like this since this movie. So, oh, we got to bring out. that to our conversation. Yeah, we got to watch this movie together, and next time we're going to talk about it. And that's the show. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you'd like to help support the show, please hop onto your podcast service, subscribe, and if you're feeling super generous, give us a rating and a review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we're going to encourage you to check out our show notes because that's where you'll find information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. Jay and I love to hear from you. So we built this cool website. Check it out. Morethemovies.net. And in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Or Facebook, More the Movies Podcast. Or you can always catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Savannah. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next time with an all new commercial free episode. And until next time, friends, do more and watch more.